Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Breakfast Briefing. My name is Henry Jennings and it is Friday. Thank God it's Friday the 29th of October. And as usual with all the information contained in this briefing, it is general advice only. So please do your own research. Contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this briefing. And if you need to, you can pause the slide here and read our disclaimer in full. If you're listening on a podcast, you can head to our website marcustoday.com.au and if you're not yet a member of the Marcus Today community, love to have you on board. You can sign up for a 14-day free trial there, and you can read our disclaimer on the website. All right, well, last night we had a pretty uh, positive session in the U.S. markets. We had the Dow Jones up 240 points, 0.68 of a percent, 35.730. Once again, it was a night dominated by corporate results, and the two biggies, dropped after hours with Apple and Amazon both disappointing supply chain issues and it looks like for Amazon at least peak spending during COVID but we'll get on to that in a minute. Nasdaq closed up 1.39 ahead of those biggies and the other news was Facebook has decided to change its name in a radical departure and a statement of its mission into the future with the metaverse it is now going to be called Meta and will change its code I think it will become MVRS. So NASDAQ up 212 points on the back of that one. And the S&P 500 up 45 points or just under 1% to 4596. As a result of all this optimism and confidence, the VIX index dropped 2.7% to 16.5. Commodities, though, somewhat mixed. We had Brent crude down 26 cents to 84.32. 0.31% down. Oil for WTI up 15 cents or 0.18% to 82.81. Gold was better, $3.80 to the good, 0.21%, 1802.60, so just slightly above that crucial 1800 level. Aussie uh, gold prices around 2400 Aussie dollars an ounce. Iron ore though, crushed. Down 5.4%, 113.15. That iron ore sell-off continues. But in other commodities last night, a little bit of a ray of sunshine for some. Copper was up 1.1%. Nickel up 0.8%. Aluminium up 2.4%. Zinc up 0.75%. Lead up 2.1%. And tin up 1.85%. Coal still very much on the nose in China as the Chinese authorities clamp down on prices there for uh, Chinese coal, but lithium still bubbling away as well. In terms of uh, international mining stocks around about, BHP was up 0.6%, Rio pretty much unchanged. That was in US prices. Freeport was up 3%, Alcoa up 1.5%, Tech Corp was up 0.38%, Anglo unchanged, Glencore down 02 and Vale down 2% in international trade. Here you have the S&P 500, as you can see, kicking towards the end in advance of those numbers coming out from Amazon and Apple. Of course, 40% of the S&P 500 now is concentrated in four big stocks with Amazon, Google, and Tesla leading those four big stocks uh, and Facebook rounding out that one. So it's, um, well, sorry, Meta, as it's now called, the company formerly known as Facebook. It would be like Prince. Anyway, the S&P 500 is uh, better 
and closed on its highs, which is a positive sign. Our SPY futures showing again this morning of 18 points, as you can see there from the slide. So a little bit of a positive end to the week, but it has been a topsy-turvy week, and all eyes will be on AGM season and business updates as quarterlies also hit the market in a spooky kind of way ahead of Halloween. Major stories around the traps from overseas. Stock jump amid profit optimism. Bond yields rise. A deal on social spending package may be imminent. Are we there yet? It's nearly a year since the US presidential election. Something to think about. Biden goes all in in an end to end the deadlock with the 1.75 trillion blueprint funded by 15% minimum corporate tax and a surcharge on big earnings. Facebook changes its name to Meta. China delivers blow to climate summit with no new targets. Is this COP26 going to be a cop out? Uh, flattening yield curves send negative signal about slowing economic growth just as central banks turn hawkish. We did have US GDP numbers out last night uh, which were slightly below analyst expectations. And the markets face a bigger inflation risk from a services sector boom next year that may stretch already tight labour markets. Central banks moves and supply chain shocks the greatest risk to global economy, says a poll. And SEC won't approve a leveraged Bitcoin fund. And optimism has emerged from some of the car manufacturers in the US as the semiconductor shortage uh, may have peaked. As far as what's on today in our market, we do have September retail sales, we have private sector credit, we have third quarter PPI and over the Dutch in New Zealand, we have October ANZ consumer confidence. That will be the big one today. China services and manufacturing PMIs for October as well and Gladys Berejiklian will be fronting the ICAC today. So it's probably not going to be the best day for poor old Gladys today. And the European Central Bank has kept its massive stimulus taps open and it's also maintained its view. Christine Lagarde says that the recent spike inflation would be temporary. We've gone from transitory now to temporary. In other news in Europe, beer brewer Anshau Bush Inbev surged 10.3% on surprise frothy profits and the US GDP expanded at a 2% annualised rate that follows a 6.7% rise in the second quarter, so 2% for the third quarter. In terms of tech stocks in the US, a pretty good day for them. Apple up 2.5%, but they were down uh, over that in after-hours trade. Facebook or Meta up 1.5%. Amazon up 1.6%, but again, they were down after hours on the back of their result. Tesla, 3.8% to the good, and it's hip to be square, up 3.3% with the New York Stock Exchange Fang Plus Index gaining 1.4%. Yields, also the big issue at the moment. Twos and threes and fives pushing higher. US 10-year yields, 1.57%. Australia, 1.83%. That gap is considerably larger than it usually is. Germany, negative 0.14. And the big news on the corporate front this morning is Macquarie Group's profit numbers are out. Net profit, 107% up to $2.04 billion. But the really interesting thing is that it is raising $1.5 billion from investors and a share purchase plan at $190. Dividend of $2.72. And ResMed has hiked profit 20% to 
to 222 million US, three little ducks. Gross margins, <coughs> excuse me, gross margins fell 2.7%. In a result, it blamed on higher freight and manufacturing costs and the pulling of the SG Lotteries, a IPO, which is a big US lottery company, uh, gets a better deal from private equities, better terms they got from private equities. At least private equity got a better terms than the IPO people would have done. Uh, 5.8 billion or 6.05 billion, including potential earnouts. So it does set a bit of a precedent. Some of these big deals may not make it to the market. They may get snapped up by cash, uh, well, cash-rich private equity companies. And Woodside has down the downgrade of its gas reserves at Wheatstone has thrown a bit of a question mark into the BHP deal. And Vulcan Energy fires back. Pretty thorough rebuttal came out last night after the close. So for those interested in Vulcan Energy and its rebuttal to the JCAP short-selling research attack, then uh, it would be certainly worth reading that. It's a pretty in-depth presentation from the guys at Vulcan. Question of the day today, should short-sellers like JCAP be banned? Maybe the question should be short, should short-selling reports and research that hasn't been cleared with the company or hasn't at least been run past the company, should that be banned? There are some ASIC guidelines now that research should be at least shown to the company before publication for any glaring errors. Some of those glaring errors were pointed out apparently by Vulcan in their rebuttal uh, last night, but uh, certainly most analysts of most broking houses will run their research past the company to ensure that they at least factually are correct rather than uh, at least the conclusions could be their own, but the facts speak for themselves. So should those sorts of reports be banned? Pretty hard to, though, when they're coming from overseas, but interested to hear your thoughts on that. Always good to stir up a little bit of debate on the subject. Well, that's it from me today. Thanks very much for listening. As you're probably aware, the Marcus Today podcasts have now been split into four. We have the Strategy Podcast, the On The Desk Podcast with the boys in Melbourne. We have my On The Couch Podcast. I'll be releasing this one today, usually on a weekend, but I thought I'd release it today. Uh, Andrew Wyland, the ETF Whisperer. I caught up with him this week and chatted about three ETFs and two stocks that he's currently uh, very interested in. So that uh, could be of interest to some members. And we also have, of course, the breakfast briefing and the end of day report. You can sign up to any, all or none, of course, to the podcast. It's entirely up to you. And if you're not yet a member of the Marcus Today community and you are listening to this on a podcast or watching this on Vimeo, then you can always sign up for a two-week free trial as well. MarcusToday.com.au Thanks very much for listening and have a great weekend. Uh, Trick or treat but uh, have a great weekend nonetheless.